So let's open the word of the Lord to First Kings. I'm excited about this, this word. The Lord's been speaking to me personally. So maybe the word's for me, not for you. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you preach and it's for you. You want me to share it anyway? Will do. Praise God. It's flowing from heaven. Appreciate uh, Sister Cynthia. Thank you so much for um, leading the Lord's Supper. Praise God. Would have loved to have been with you here, but while you guys were doing Lord's Supper, I was in my car saying, thank you, Lord, for the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your kindness, for, re- for remembering us. Wow. So we'll start it. Um, we're first going to do 1 Kings 17.1 because I want to extrapolate something from this verse that later on I will share with you. The reason why I read this verse. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, who was from Tishbe in Gilead, told King Ahab, As surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God that I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. Now, not for nothing. That's, a, that's very nervy. I don't know what you think. A man saying that he can control the weather? Well, he said, it's not going to rain until I say so, basically. Isn't that interesting? A man with so much authority. And he told that to the king. The king was the one with the authority in that day. So he went up to the authority structure and he said, I'm going to take away your authority. Or I'm going to show you that there's a greater authority than you. So my word is not going to rain. Now, not for nothing, but have you been in a place that hasn't rained for two years? Nor do you want to be. That's a very difficult place to be in. And he just finished declaring over the land, almost as it were, a judgment. Because that's not a blessing. It's a judgment. It's not going to rain here. And he was talking to a very corrupt king. The king and the queen were very corrupt in that day. And also, the ecclesiastical structure in that day was very corrupt. There were over 850 prophets, and they were all false prophets. They all submitted to false gods. And that's the one, those are the ones that the king listened to. And so this soul person said, the living God has sent me. And now I say it's not going to rain here until I say so. Oh, man. Wow. I remember uh, being raised up in Harlem. We used to play basketball um, in the park. Not the park. It was just an open lot. But we called it the big park. And so we would go there, and uh, we would uh, bring our basketballs, and we would play basketball. And the way you got into a game is you stayed seated on the underside of the basketball court. And you would say, next. I don't know how they do it today. Maybe today you guys get on, you know, Facebook <laughs> and say next. I don't know how you do it today. I kind of lost touch after all these years. But in those days, <clears throat> you used to say next. So I remember uh, I said next. And when we went to play, this guy came in and, and he said in Spanish with a bad attitude, he said, aquí no juega nadie. Si yo no juego. Nobody plays here until I, uh, unless I play. So I looked at him. I got very upset at him. He said, I have next. And then he challenged me to a fight right then and there. 
And I couldn't fight the guy because I, I was alone and he had a bunch of guys. Because that's the way they did it. They were bullies and they walked around in, in gangs, in gang structures. So I, I, had to, I had to let the guy play. But I didn't like that. I didn't like that attitude. And I'm reading in scripture that Elijah had something similar. But he came from a righteous standpoint. And he says, it's not going to rain until I say so. All right, so now let's go to 1 Kings 18. 1836. 1 Kings 1836. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O God, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Then it says this, prove that I have done all this at your command. See, so it wasn't so much that he was coming off with an attitude and saying, because I say so, it's not going to rain here. No. God had told him to go to the king and say that. So he was backed up by what? By the word of God. And this is what most, most people don't realize. When you come to a situation with prayer, it doesn't automatically mean it's going to work. But if you combine your prayer with God's word, now you have authority. Because God will always honor his word. He might not honor your words that you're just throwing around, I don't feel like it, or you know what? We speak a lot of things. But we've got to get to the point. Listen to me what I'm about to tell you. This is very important. We need to sync our words with God's words. You have authority as long as you sync your words with God's words. If you were a police officer, you could not just go out there and do whatever you want to. We know that has happened in the past. We've seen it. Sometimes police officers go off of the range, so to speak, and they do things that they're not authorized to do. So what happens? Suddenly, they're covering the government that oversees them will not back up their actions. Why? Because they say, you did something that we did not agree to authorize you in. Exactly right. So what happens is that we as Christians, we've been out off the range. We've been speaking things that God has not been speaking. Now, having said that, understand something about you. God has given you authority in your mouth. You can create things with your mouth. You can create environments. You can create emotions with your words. You can create futures with your words. We have power in our words. But the highest level of functionality and prophetic functionality is when we sync with God's word and we speak God's word. This prophet went to the highest authority structure in that day and, say, and he said this, until I say so, it won't rain. Right, God? See, we know that, he, that God had actually sent them because in, in 1 Kings 18.36, he admits it. He literally prayed in front of 850 prophets. He said, Lord, prove today that you're God. And Lord, prove today that you sent me. And I've done everything at your word. And so one prophet against 850 prophets, they had a powwow. And they had a time where all these prophets called on their gods for fire to come from heaven and nothing happened. And then suddenly Elijah did the same thing and fire came from heaven. So everybody there suddenly knew, oh my God, Elijah is speaking truly on God's behalf. See, so... That's what we're looking at right here. Now, let's go to 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2. 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2. 
I'm reading these verses because then I'm going to share some things with you that the Lord placed in my heart. Later on in the third year of the drought, third year, say with me third year. So for three years it had not rained. I don't know about you, but I don't like when God sends me to say something that is going to create an atmosphere that now I'm going to have to live in that atmosphere also. Understand something. When Elijah declared a drought, he had to live in the same town. So it says, on the third year of the drought, the Lord said to Elijah, go and present yourself to King Ahab. So Elijah went to appear before Ahab. Meanwhile, the famine had become very severe in Samaria. You think? After three years of no rain, there was a terrible drought in Samaria. And God says, now it's time. Say with me, now it's time. So God had told him, I'm going to break this drought, but you have to go and speak the word. In the same way, this prophet had to speak the word to shut down the blessing. The same way God spoke him again to speak to the atmosphere to release the blessing. Isn't that interesting? God has power to do it if, if he wants. All he had to do is just let it rain. But yet he gets somebody on earth to agree with his will in heaven. Doesn't that sound eerily like the Lord's prayer? Let your kingdom come on earth as it's being done in heaven. God will have us declare things on earth because it's his will. But he partners with man here on earth because that's how he created it. The greatest example of that was Jesus on the cross. Who is Jesus? He's God. Isn't he? What in the world is he doing here on earth as a man correcting something? I'm going to say it again. What is he doing here on earth as a man correcting something? You're, you're lifting your hand? Is this a classroom? <laughs> I'm just joking. Go ahead. He could have corrected it from heaven. Usually saying what Adam messed up, he had to correct. But he could have corrected it from heaven. He's God. As a man, but he could have, he's God. He could correct it in heaven. He couldn't violate his own word. You're on to something. What was that word? That man has dominion on earth. Who said that man has dominion on earth? What God establishes as law in the earth realm, in the spirit realm, whatever it is, it, when God speaks a thing, it becomes law. On earth here, God said to man, you're in charge. I put you in charge. See, you need to understand that concept because you need to understand your authority. You have a God-ordained authority. So you have the right to pray. You have a right to declare change in a region. You have a right to cover your children. You have a right to cover your spouse. You have a right to, to, to pray for your church. Not only a right, you have a, a, a responsibility. It's a fiduciary responsibility. It's a legal authority and responsibility. Why? Because God made it that way. Hallelujah. So when you pray, you can't come from a posture of weakness. 
You have to come from a posture of authority. You've been authorized and deputized. So when this prophet said, it's not going to rain until I say so, he knew he had the backing of God. Why? Because God said so. And the second time he presented himself to the king, there was a big issue with that because the king was very angry at him. You think? Three years it didn't rain because that guy said so. Now my kingdom is suffering. He was having to look. The king himself was out there looking for water so that they could water the horses. I imagine President Trump leading a pack of horses. Where are you going? Ah, there's no water here. Man. I got to find. <laughs> That's what this king was doing. And so Elijah shows up. He speaks to one of this man's servants, one of the king's servants, who happened to love God also. He said, listen, tell your king I'm on my way. I said, no, I'm not going to do that. So why not? He'll kill me. Why? Because every, he's been looking for you for three years. And everybody's looking for you. So they could, they, they could tell the king. But every time they say they know where you're at, you disappear. The spirit of God takes you somewhere else. And you're going to do the same thing to me. I'm going to go to the king. I say, he's over there. And he's going to bring his chariots and show up. You're not going to be here because the Spirit of God is going to take you somewhere else. And then they're going to kill me. He says, I guarantee you. He said, as the Lord lives, I will be there. So, okay, I'm putting my neck on the line. But you said, I will be here. And so they met. So they met. And so let's read those verses. What was it that this prophet told the king? 1 Kings 18, 41 through 45. Now, Elijah told Ahab, uh, Sir, get yourself prepared. Go eat, go drink, because I hear a sound. Say with me, I hear a sound. He said, I hear a sound of the roar of an abundance of rain. In other words, I'm hearing in my spirit, with my spiritual ears, that something's on its way. You don't know it. Your, your town doesn't know it. Nobody knows it. But God has released the rain. So go prepare. Because when it comes, it's going to come fast. It's going to come hard. It's going to come furious. So, he says, so Ahab went to eat and drink. And in preparation of this, and Elijah went up to the top of a mountain called Carmel, and he crouched down to the earth, put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go up, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, uh, Elijah, there's nothing. Go back. This happened seven times. He kept on sending his servant back to look for rain. And on the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. Then Elijah said, Ahab, prepare your chariot. Go down so that the rain shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky drew, uh, grew darker with clouds and winds, and there were heavy showers, and Ahab mounted and rode his chariot with horses and went back to Jezreel. All right. So, interesting story. So, here we have a scenario where water's on its way, yet nobody knows about it yet. But the prophetic knew. Now, having said that, let's go to today. Look at what's happening on a global scale right now. There is a sound of change. There are shifts all over the place. And for anybody that has any measure of discernment in their spirit, they know things have shifted in the spiritual realm. We know things have already happened. We're just seeing the manifestation in the natural. The last couple of years have been, wow, what a ride. 
And even now, we see the manifestation of things that are happening on a global scale. And many Christians are afraid today. Oh, my God. There's some that are angry at President Trump because he ordered an attack uh, over there in the other, type, the other side of the world, in Syria, right? Now, I'm not going to advocate uh, for or against this thing. That's not my position. It's above my pay grade. But all I know is that many people are saying, oh, we're afraid there's going to be an attack, a counterattack. It's going to create World War III. We're all going to die. Do you know anybody like that? That that's happened to? And people are worried, genuinely worried. Listen, it happened in the 90s. It happened in the 80s. It happened in the 70s. Remember Vietnam? Yeah. Happened in the 60s. This thing is not new. You know why? Because man is involved. We have a penchant of getting involved in warfare. We want it our way or the highway. You know somebody like that too? And I, I, it amazes me how we just can't get along because of pride, because of arrogance, because of political differences, because of spiritual differences. Many times it, it, it's a philosophy that separates us. I look at, at some countries. They're all from the same culture. They all talk the same language. And yet they're killing each other. What's going on? Political differences. My God. So there's a sound today. And what this man said, he says, there's the sound of the abundance. It wasn't just rain. There was an abundant thing about ready to take place. And God has spoken it, and it's about ready to happen. But yet, the king didn't know about it. The people didn't know about it. Something amazing about storms. Have you ever been in a storm? Isn't it scary? Storms are scary. But water is necessary. This morning, I had water. How many of you have water in the last week? <laughs> I drank water. <laughs> Truth of the matter is without water we die. We have to have water several times a day. People that don't drink much water, that get their water through food and through coffee and, and through soda, you know, it messes them up. But we need water. We have to have water. As soon as I said that, about 10 people pick up a water bottle. <laughs> it's like a subliminal thing. Praise God. Water cleanses the atmosphere, doesn't it? Don't you love after a nice rain, how nice and fresh it smells? Water cleanses. Water feeds the trees and the plants. How many of you love to pluck fruit from a tree? Well, if there was no water, there would not be any fruit. There would not be any tree because the trees would die. Water is needed. Water is life for us. The Holy Spirit identifies with water. The Bible says the water. Now the Holy Spirit is as water. You believe in God, the Spirit of God will flow in you as rivers of living water. God's Word identifies with water. Cleansing of the water by the Word of God. So we know water is a good thing. Say to your neighbor, water is a good thing. But however, water can be a very damaging thing. I saw a movie a couple of years ago about um, a tsunami that happened in, in a, a, I forgot what's the name of the land, but it was a very well put together movie. How this young couple from Australia, uh, they, they had come to a nice place. I, I don't know if it was Thailand or something like that. Right. And suddenly this tsunami comes in. It just devastated the land, killed many people, destroyed the landscape. Too much water is an amazing thing. How powerful. Have you ever been to Canada and, and seen the waterfalls? Anywhere where you go, you see waterfalls. Wow, the power of water. It can destroy things. It can destroy homes. It can destroy landscapes. It literally change landscapes in a heartbeat. 
Elijah told Ahab, get ahead of the storm so it won't devastate you. And some of you are in the midst of a storm and you don't know how to handle it. But God said it is possible to get ahead of the storm. The worst thing is to get caught in the storm because you didn't realize a storm was coming. I remember one, one time my wife was, and I were driving from uh, Florida. We were coming back, and as we were driving in Jersey, we saw the most ominous sky. And we literally had to stop because it looked like there was going to be a tornado. You, start, you started to see the funnel. I said, oh, oh, I'm in a car. A car is no match for that thing. So we had to stop and, and seek safety. I, I've seen the beginnings of it. I don't ever want to be next to one of those big, big boys. Water, storms, they can be devastating. However, the region needed it. Say, say to your neighbor, they needed, water. they needed water. But they needed to know how to navigate what was on its way. They couldn't stop it. Now, let me say this to you. There are things that are on its way that you can't stop. God is saying, get ready because some things are on their way. They're going to look like a storm. They're going to have wind. They're going to have a lot of action, a lot of activity. But I want you to get ahead of this thing. Because if you don't realize it, or if you do not listen, it's going to come, and now you're going to be you know, enveloped in this, and it's going to drive you, you know, to, to concern and to worry and, and to fear. God says, do not fear. Be at peace. Because all of these things need to happen, but I have your back. I am with you as a mighty giant. Hallelujah. He's with us. Say to your neighbor, he's with you. He's with you during the storms. He's with you in the good times. He's with you in the difficult times. He is with you. Hallelujah. Psalms 46, verse 1 through 3, it says this, God is our refuge. He is our strength. Always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come, when the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. We know storms change landscapes. We know storms can even separate friends and family members. During this uh, big tsunami, this lady, she lost her husband. She lost her children. It was not until days later that they found each other again. It can devastate you. It could take your home in a second. Storms can even destroy entire communities if one is not careful, if one is not prepared. You really appreciate a concrete home during times of storms. You really do not appreciate those homes that are made with prefab equipment. Because the storm just takes it, whoop, and that's it. One side's that way, the other side's that way. That, that talks about another thing. It talks about preparation, which I'm not going to talk about this moment, but it's very important that you always be prepared for a storm. A person that's prepared for a storm is not worried. A person that's prepared for a storm understands what they need to do. And they have the resources. They have plan A, B, and C. Amen. So they're not worried. They're vigilant. They're alert. They're seeking. They're, they're expectant of stuff. When they hear something, mm -hmm, that means I need to go with plan A. Oh, that means I need to go to plan B. I find that most Americans don't even have a plan. Most Americans are not even looking. They're not even expecting. Jesus says, look. Listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And we're not even listening. We are listening, but we're listening to music. We're listening to TV. We're listening to the news. So we're, we're, our minds, our heads are all over the place. We have no focus. 
People, it's time to get back into focus. Because if you're in focus, you're going to hear clearly and you're going to know how to navigate the storms of life. And this year, we have entered in. I think we actually entered in in the year previous. But we're in a cycle of war in this, in this world. I don't know how long it's going to last. The cycle of war is as natural as humanity. I, I look at Facebook from time to time to hear what you're doing, your comments. I like to share stuff. How many of you sometimes read stuff that I post? Right? It's good. But every once in a while, I run into these videos where people just shooting, uh, people fighting. And they talk, and they posture, and they punch each other up and, and for nothing but dumb, just stupidity. We're always fighting. We're always arguing. But the truth of the matter is when you're aware, when you're looking, when you, see, you can avoid most, most things. Most things, most things. How about this? The storms that can destroy help to move Noah into his new community. The storm that destroyed an own world literally moved and coddled and took care of Noah and his family and rode them into their new community where they had plenty, where they had enough to be able to proliferate once again. So storms could harm you, but if you're prepared, storms can help you. What did Noah do in order to be able to ride the storm? Huh? He obeyed God. How in the world can you obey God if you're not hearing God? I got no amens on that one. See, you need to hear God in order to obey God. How about Jesus was in the mood to teach Peter something? What does he use? A storm. He's in a boat. He's, he, you know, he's, he's there, or, or rather, Peter's in the boat. All the guys are in the boat. Suddenly, a storm breaks out, right? And who comes walking on the water? Jesus, walking on water. This is not normal, people. And Peter sees him. Peter says, it's a ghost. And, and, and Jesus teaches him, tell, tell me to come. You know, or he says, I'm here. Don't worry. Don't fear. Peter says, can I come to you? He says, yeah, come. Amazing. So Peter gets what? And starts walking on water. A great, a great mentoring moment during the storm. I know I'm not going to get any amens there. I want God to teach me. Just like that. Just by osmosis. I want to be walking in a beautiful sun, sunny day and suddenly, bam, oh, I, just, I just learned something. We usually have to learn through difficulty. And as a father and as a grandfather now, it pains me to, to, to understand the process. I wish I would have known this a lot earlier. The earlier we learn stuff, the more mature we get. The more quickly we embrace responsibilities, the quicker we mature. Don't touch that iron. Why? It's hot. You'll get burned. What do you mean? Oh, it burns. Exactly. That person just learned for life. But humanity, for whatever reason, doesn't listen to their peers. There are nations that honor their older folk. But we in this nation, we're not learning that. So our millennials are out there shaming the older folk, the, the senior citizens, which have more experience in their pinky finger than the young folk have in their entire life. We need to honor our senior citizens. Because they have wisdom. They have understanding. They've lived life. 
Mentorships are an amazing thing. Most human beings learn by seeing others do and say. Even the Bible says the older, uh, the younger ladies learn from the older ladies in the church. It's the way it's supposed to be. But today, kids know everything. They know it all. Be smart, young person. And grab on a couple of older folk that have lived some life. Ask them questions. Open up your spirit, your mind to learn. And guess what? You will be one of the wisest young people that we know today. Another thing that pains me, and I'm digressing, but I don't care. Is that too many of our young people want stuff for free. And that ultimately harms harms them because life is hard. Life is tough. Money is not easy to come by. You have to sweat your brow. You have to work. That was established in the book of Genesis. So it's not a new thing, by the way. And if you believe that people owe you stuff, all you're doing is setting yourself up for failure. Thank you. Thank you. That clap meant a lot to me. Because nobody else clapped. But yet I spoke a a profound truth. Thank you. So the quicker we learn that, the quicker we realize Uncle so-and-so is not going to come and save me. I'm going to have to learn how to save money. I'm going to have to learn how to pay bills. I'm going to have to learn to control that credit card usage. I'm going to have to take responsibility for my life. I'm going to have to take responsibility for my future. Victor, what what happened to you, man? You're you're on fire today. I don't know. I don't know. God must have met me on that traffic jam. (laughs) Ahab had to obey the prophet because the prophet was speaking on God's behalf. And Ahab, you know what he did? When he heard about the storm, he got on his chariot and started riding to safety. If Ahab would not have obeyed, he would have got caught up with that storm. And here's the problem. God is speaking, but many people are not listening. And we're living in the land of Lala. La, 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 la. We're happy-go-lucky, everything's fine. I remember in the 70s, I was this terrible singer, tiptoe through the tulips. I don't know if you remember. I'm exposing my age, but it was such a terrible song. But that's where many people are. They're tiptoeing through the tulips. And you got to speak in. There's an abundance of rain. I'm about ready to bless my people. But judgment and mercy and prosperity, praise God, are on their way. But they're on their way together. When there's a storm, water shows up. But not only water. When there's a storm, stuff that's all over the street also gets churned and it gets thrown your way too and it pelts you. You ever been in the middle of a storm? What's hitting you? I don't know what's hitting me. It's, It's all together. And this is a problem you need to learn how to discern because in the storm, if you know how to prepare yourself, you can actually ride it out and get benefit from it. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's a storm, people. But guess what? The blessing is enveloped in the storm. And I love how Elijah handles it. Because Elijah's warning everybody. He even warned the king. And the king has a nice chariot. So the king said, oh yeah? Okay, prophet said so. I believe this guy because he just finished speaking a word and fire came from heaven. So let me obey this guy this time around. He gets on his chariot. He says, see you later, Elijah. So right away he went, the Bible says. So where's Elijah? Come on, dude, the least you could have done. Hitch me a ride, man. 
put me on that chariot with you. No, he just, woo, he's gone. You know what the Bible says? And I love this about God. It says that the prophet took his robe, right? And he tied it all up between his legs. He created the first version of shorts. Or pampers. <laughs> Just too, too much envisioning, too much, too much. Some people get, criti- they, they get creative a little too much. <laughs> That's a good one. Well, he puts on his shirt and he starts running. And the Bible says the Spirit of God helped him and gave him an anointing to run. See, so the anointing isn't always to get healed or, or to get a job or, or, or to pay a bill. The anointing can sometimes give you the ability to flee a situation that would catch you if you were unprepared. And the Bible says, Elijah started running, and as he's running, there are the horses, and there is the king, and he passes the horses. Come on, somebody. There is an anointing that's already upon you that can propel you to your destiny in a heartbeat. What you haven't been able to do in 10 years, God can have you do in 10 minutes. Glory to God. And I submit to you that the anointing is active even today. And God says, you've been thinking that things have been taking a long time. But I'm, I'm about ready to give that extra to your natural. And you're about to accomplish things that you were not able to do all these years. But since my anointing and my timing has come up, I'm about ready to release something on your behalf that's going to propel you. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. We see storms in the horizon. Yes, we do. But if you confide in God today, God can have you ride before the storm in victory and peace. First thing I wanted to share was that God will not do for you what he asks you to do. If it were not for the prophet in the earth realm speaking, nothing would have happened. Because God partners with man in this earth realm. Why? Because man's in charge. So when God wants his will done here on earth, he seeks a man or woman to speak his will and act out his will in the earth realm. And if we refuse, he'll seek somebody else. But he will always find somebody. One time a prophet said, I'm the only one left. He says, you don't know what you're talking about. I have at least 5,000 that have not bowed their knee to Baal. Don't think you're the only one. Don't think that you're the only one going through changes. The only one going through problems and going through issues. Don't think that you're the only one. Nobody else is going through stuff, only me. That's kind of an exaggeration. We're all going through stuff. Lift up your hands if you're going through some stuff. Come on, take a look, take a look, take a look, take a look. We're all going through stuff. And those that didn't raise their hands, they raised their hands in their heart. I'm just shy. I'm not going to raise my hand. Just be the pastor. But I'm going through stuff too. We're all going through stuff. All going through stuff. So don't think you're the only one. God told the prophets, you don't know what you're talking about. Right next to you, there are a whole group of people that are going through issues. The truth of the matter is, is that God is calling you to do something. 
And when you start obeying God, you start hearing God and obeying God, things are going to break out to the left of you, to the right of you. God's going to start ministering through you. An anointing is going to start flowing through you. There are people that are going to be saved through you. Doors are going to be opened for you. God's going to speak through you. Hallelujah! He doesn't care about your age. You could be 12 and God will work through you. Say amen, Samuel. God started using Samuel as a child. Well, I can't wait till I grow up because when I grow up, God will speak to me. Well, guess what? He wants to speak to you now. He wants to minister through you now. Because there's a lot of older folk that are not listening to God. They're not hearing God. God's been reaching out to them and saying, nah, I'm too busy for this stuff. So, okay, let me bring myself a young person that will hear my voice. Wow. So for you young folk, God wants to work in you and through you. There are people that are ready to be saved. They just need your obedience. Family ready to be restored, but they just need your prayer, your declarations, your obedience. Hallelujah. One time, the Apostle Paul said this, I don't, mean, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, nor that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brethren and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I forget the past, and I look forward to what lies ahead, and I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize which, for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. So press. Say to your name, press, press, press. The only way to press is you've got to get active. This thing about standby Christianity doesn't work. Believe in the Lord Jesus and stand by and you'll be saved. That's now how I read it, people. <laughs> Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Confess, right? And then we have to walk it out. The great commission is the walking out. Go speak to others. Share the word with others. Be salt. Be light. When you go into your bedroom, do you go, light, be No? No? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, but even the clapper won't work if you say that. In order to activate the clapper, you have to clap. That's an action. There's an action. So to have light, there has to be an action. Click, click. <laughs> Any one of those can turn on the light. In other words, our life... We have to do something in order for our light to shine. And God is saying, I'm not going to do some stuff for you. You keep on thinking that all I have to do is stand by and God will do everything for you. That's not scriptural. He gives you his word. He gives you seed. He gives you authority. He gives you strength. He gives you vision. But we have to do the activating. Hallelujah. I remember at age 15 when they preached the word, I had to come to the altar and receive Christ. Then I had to read the word. The, read, the word didn't follow me. I had to chase after the word. I had to buy a Bible. I remember my first Bible. I still have my first Bible. Over 40 years old. Still have it. So, some of you, I think, you actually put new uh, hem and you know, a new cover on it. Appreciate that Bible. I remember I would go to sleep with the Bible. My, my hands like this. I would embrace it. I would read it. I started memorizing Large, and it was in Spanish too. It was a hard language because I'm naturally English. I was born and raised here. For the first 10 years, it was all in Spanish. 
That's how I learned how to speak Spanish, really, really you know, more decent Spanish, by reading the Bible in Spanish. The word, you have to chase after the word. You have to hunger after the word. The Bible says if you hunger after it as you hunger for gold and silver, okay, wisdom will come to you. It's like honey. For those that love God's word, can't wait to get to it. You will be, he said, you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Hallelujah. Amen. Second thing is troubles and opportunities, or rather, troubles are opportunities in disguise. Cars were created. Why? Some people, man, they get in the car just to go to the store. And the store's like right in the corner. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, before, people used to travel with horses. They used to see from New York, they used to travel upstate to see their family. Took them three weeks. Forget about Florida. I said, bye, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> they wouldn't go that far on a horse. It took too long. Yeah, some did. No, some did die. They, in, the, in the travel, they, they couldn't take it. They couldn't make it. The winter would show up, and the winters were devastating for people that were traveling, especially in the North Country. But the truth of the matter is, cars are necessary, but what created the need for a car? Our challenge, problems, issues, limitations. What about an umbrella? How many of you appreciate umbrellas? How many of you appreciate an umbrella right now, at this moment, at this very moment? You don't need it. When it's windy, not so much. Rain and extreme heat, right? Exactly. Suddenly, that guy in the corner selling them $3 umbrellas happens to be a very important person. Right? Problems create opportunities because the storm is making money for the umbrella guy. Right? The fact that your family moved 100 miles away created an opportunity for a car salesman. So problems are good. I was going to say, everybody repeat after me, problems are good, but I know some of you are going to... So just meditate on that. Just ponder on it a bit. There's always an opportunity hidden in a problem. And isn't it interesting that the prophet Elijah was able to allow God to be glorified in the midst of an incredible challenge. God can get glory in your situation right now. That's what this story teaches us. The third thing, well, let me, let me just continue with this. In order to advance and progress in any area, you must go beyond what you're used to. You must be, go beyond your comfort level because don't tell me that Elijah wasn't taken out of his comfort level. I prefer to eat in a plate with a fork and a knife instead of having a raven bring me some meat. Because the first thing I'll ask the raven, I said, listen, I appreciate it, raven, that you're bringing me this meat. I want to know, where did this meat come from? <laughs> I don't eat rat. So I want you to, I hope it's, you know, like a nice deer. You know, give me something good. Number two, was this roadkill? That's right. Have you, have, have you been saving this for three weeks? If you do, was it in the refrigerator? 
We could, we could joke about it and everything, but the truth of the matter is that God supernaturally provided for the prophet because there was a famine. And God would tell him, go over here. He would find water. Oh, it's dry. Now go over here. There was one time when one of the prophets were provided by a widow who only had one meal left. God will always provide. And then what he did for the, the beautiful woman that provided for the prophet, he provided a miracle. Because the oil just would not finish. It just, she would use all the oil, boom, there was more oil. Use all the grain, there was more grain. A supernatural provision. Praise God. But the truth of the matter is, is that this man of God had to live in the very famine that he helped to create. And this leads me to another point. Some of us, we create our own famines. And that phone call is not going to get you out of this one. Yeah, sometimes you're in a mess of your own making. But even there, God is willing to help you out of the mess. He just needs you to finally admit that you're the one that created the thing. Stop blaming others. Take responsibility. Say, Lord, I messed up on this one. Help me. Give me the wisdom to get out of this and learn from it so I never do it again. Thank you, sir. Gentleman and scholar. Don't, don't, don't try to confuse me because I'm, I'm saying something here, right? Thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, sometimes we mess up. But even there, there is grace. Say, say with me, or rather, say to your neighbor, there is grace. Even in the midst of mistakes. Praise um, God. If there's anybody online, if you have a question or comment, write it down now, and then I want the IB team to, to let me know when, if you get anything, Okay. I want to hear your questions online. And then the next thing was that Elijah prayed seven times before he actually saw the manifestation of this particular blessing. How many of you pray more than once or twice for an issue? Sometimes, and the word seven is indicative of completion, of maturity. Sometimes you just got to pray a thing through. Sometimes you have to continue to stand in prayer. You ask God for something and then thank him in the midst of prayer every day. Father, thank you. I know you heard my prayer. I know you heard my prayer. I'm just thanking you for the answer. I don't see it yet, but I know the abundance is on its way. I know the answer is on its way. I might not see it yet, but I know that you're going to turn. And sometimes God will send you an answer. That's not what you were looking for because you were you was expecting it one way, but God's about ready to bless you with something better. Hallelujah. Pray until you see his promises manifested. God is speaking to someone right now because right now you're at a point where your spiritual energy is down because you have been praying, but now God is saying, I'm hearing your prayer, but there's also a timing factor. I'm hearing your prayer, but I'm also working on some things that you don't see. So by the time the manifestation comes, everything will be in place so you can just walk into your blessing. So God is saying to his people, have patience, have patience, have patience until I do my complete work. The worst thing in the world is to make a pastel in 10 minutes. A pastel is a Spanish patty. And it's delicious, it's amazing, and it is so difficult, we can only eat it on the holidays. And there's only like one person in each region of the United States that makes them. The rest, we have to buy it from that person. <laughs> because it's so, so hard to do. It's hard work. Yeah, you could go to the supermarket, get these quick patties, 
or you could go to a, old, a, a, a you could go to a grandmother, who's she just has an amazing ability to make this type of food. She's the Northeast Regional Director of Pateles Incorporated. <laughs> all year round. I tell you, if we market that thing, we'll open up 500 franchises all throughout the United States. Praise God. The next thing was that Elijah heard the sound, which means that he was listening. Oh, 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 oh. oh even now, even now, even now, some of you are saying, why is pastor preaching so long? Because you have a problem listening. You know why? Because your spirit is fighting against your flesh. Your spirit wants to hear God's things. Your flesh wants to go home and watch TV and sleep and relax. We're always in a rush to do what? Nothing. Yeah, yeah. I see her all the time in the highway. And as we're passing by, I'm, I pass by. I look, I go. <laughs> yeah, I see it all the time. We're in a rush to go nowhere. Relax. Calm down. Be patient with the process. Let God do his complete work and listen and hear what the Spirit of God is saying. He was listening to God. He was sensitive in his spirit man. And he was sensitive to the timing of God. Another problem we have as human beings is we are always... Somebody said it before I did. You want to finish this message? Finish it for me because you see, you see where I'm going with it. Impatience. We're impatient. Even this morning, I mean, there was a car in front of me. A guy in the back, bap, bap, bap. So I go. Yeah, that's universal language. Yeah, or oh, that's the other one. So no. The way you do that is you make an arc. <laughs> it's universal. They could be German. They could come from, from South Central America. They could come from Canada. They all understand that language. Truth of the matter is we like patience many times. And God loves to teach you patience. I'm going to say it again. He loves to corner you and get you in a place that no matter how much you jump and scream. My daughter, my son, be still. Scriptural word is be still. Modern vernacular is shut up and wait. I'm still in the process of getting it ready. Spanish, callate. Yeah, we, we, sometimes we, op- we overemphasize some syllables in Spanish. So be quiet. We can't just say, callate. We can't do that. Yeah, some people do that way. Callate. That, that was, that's, that's the Spanish version of a nuclear weapon. Never misses. Never misses. It'll, if you go around a corner, it'll chase you. And hit you right here. All the time. <laughs> Listen to his timing. 
The next thing was is that they heard the sound of abundance. And that's interesting because there is no recession in the kingdom of God. God wants to bless you with more than you realize. He always strives to give us exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Our problem is we have a filter. It's here. It's called poverty mentality. And religion has done a good job of teaching us poverty mentality. God wants to bless you with business. He wants to bless you with abundance so that you can be a blessing to others. He wants to bless you with more than enough. Now, how do I measure that? More than enough. Yeah, because us logical folk, we want to be able to quantify God's blessings, right? So what is more than enough to you? Having enough and then a little extra to give. Well, guess what? That's what, what's God's standard in the kingdom. He wants us to, not to hoard and have so much that now it swallows us up. Or we get into a spirit of greed. Now I have all of this. I'm not giving it up for anybody. God bless me. Now it's all mine. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, some people get that way. And that is a sin. Hoarding, not wanting to give any back is a sin. In the natural, in the natural, if you take in, you eat, right? Monday, eat Tuesday, eat Wednesday. If you don't let go of the stuff that's not necessary, right? Your body does the job of taking the macronutrients, the micronutrients, and everything it needs, the vitamins, the proteins, right? And then it lets go of anything that doesn't eat, right? What happens if you can't let go? Hmm? Get sick. You can die. Because your body was made, God made it, to be able to receive and to give. Right? Uh, it's, we, we call it release, but it's giving. It's taking and it's giving. Now, here in the spirit realm, when we just like to take, but we never want to give, that's also deadly. Spiritually, what happens is you're going against the principle of seed time and harvest. So what will end up happening is it could be very toxic to your future, toxic to your finance, toxic to your way of thinking. I have spoken to various people that are very wealthy, and you know what most of them say? Not most, some, some, some. They say, oh, people are only after my money. Told me personally. Oh, they're just after my money. They don't care about me. They're just after my money. Once you get into that posture, you're in trouble. Because now you're going to doubt everybody. Now you're going to, uh, uh, you're not going to have healthy relationships. It's a bad way to think. So there's a sound of abundance. Guess what? The abundance is coming to you. What is, what is it that you need? God wants to give you more than enough. Oh, God, you, we get to the point sometimes where we pray, oh God, just give me this little thing. Just give me this and I'll be happy. You know why? Because you're coming from a poverty mindset. You're thinking that you're asking too much. No, God says, I want you to ask big. When you're caught in the point where you think that if you're asking more so you could be more of a blessing, and you think that's a sin, you have some issue you need to reset in your mind because that's not scriptural. I, got, I, got, I only got one praise God right here. Everybody else is like... He's going to speak that word of faith thing. No, no, no. The nature of the kingdom 
is to always bless you with more than enough. Now, God's not saying you're going to be a multimillionaire, but he's saying he'll always have more than enough. So we need to understand God is not the author of recession. Humans are the ones that get themselves in recession. You know why? Because they don't know how to save. They don't know how to invest. Money is a seed. You're not supposed to eat your money. You're supposed to invest your money. And out of the profit, you take some of it and pay your bills and let the money keep on making more. But most of us are consumers. We just consume everything you get. We, we give you $10,000, that thing will be gone in a month. If so quick or if so slow, it might take a week. You get rid of everything. Money, ha-ha, gone. But we need to be investors in the kingdom. God says there's abundance coming. But will you know how to handle the abundance? Will you know in the midst of a storm, God starts getting you blessings. God starts getting you divine connections in the midst of a storm. Will you know how to handle that abundance? God is saying, get ready, get ready, gird yourself, eat and drink, drink some water, drink, eat some food, get strong, take a little rest, because I'm about ready to put you in through the roller coaster. And suddenly it's going to go click, 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 click. That's what you're hearing right now. Some of you are hearing click, 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 click. And you're about, you're about ready at the top. There was a ride my wife got onto the other day, and I'm just looking from down here. It's a big seat. You sit about 10 people in the front like that. And it's something going click, 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 click. And it stops right there for about 10 seconds. Let's people hang out like this. And it was not like an angle thing. It was a straight down thing. Click, 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 click. And I'm going. And my wife is going. She's crazy. My wife lacks this concern gene or worry gene. She's just, yes, parachutes, let's go. <laughs> Bungee cords. I go. <laughs> well, that's where. <laughs> just being real here. That's where you're at right now. God's ready to say, okay. The thing is, of the roller coaster, once it starts, can't stop it. Have you ever seen in the Facebook the people that sit in that? Globular, global, globe, globe-like seat. There's two people sitting down. They strap you up, and it's like on a big, heavy-duty rubber, rubber band. Click, 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 and you're just sitting there. Click, 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 and they put the video right on you. Yeah, to add insult to injury, they put the video right on you. There's always one that faints because you get G-force suddenly, right? And the problem is, oh, here's the point. As soon as it goes, God, the person that's smiling, or, no, don't worry, especially the guys, yeah, don't worry about, ah, stop it, get me off, get me off. <laughs> Have you seen that? I, I love them, I love them. And I say, who told you to get on in the first place, you dummy? Once it's, once it's activated, it's not going to stop. And this is what I'm hearing in the spirit. God said, get ready because it's about ready to disconnect and start moving. Once it starts moving, don't say, try to get me off. Because God said, no, you're on it. You got to go to the end now. But in the midst of it, you're going to be able to pick up stuff. In the midst of it, you're going to grow. In the midst of it, you're going to get wisdom. 
In the midst of it, God's going to give you strength to be able to praise God, ride it through to victory. Isn't it interesting? In that very same ride, the person's going, oh my God! The person next to us is going, yay! Yay! That's how God wants us to ride it. He wants us to ride praising. He wants us to ride it enjoying. He's, he wants you to enjoy the journey because he's with you. In the midst of a storm, Jesus was sleeping because Jesus knew that he was all right. The storm is just a process. For Jesus, the storm was, oh, I'm just getting to the other side. For Jesus, the storm was, oh, there's some people I need to help. So in order for me to help, I need to go through a little turbulence because I need to get over there because people need me. Sometimes the storm isn't that you're doing anything wrong, it's that you're on your way to help somebody and the enemy's trying to stop you. Glory to God. And the last thing, and with that, I will close. All right, nobody said amen. Thank you. I'm deeply honored. <laughs> the last thing I heard was that he told somebody, he's Ahab, Ahab, uh, servant, uh, Guys, with me, get ready. There's a storm on its way. I love the fact that he just didn't leave quietly. He says, listen, I don't care about you. I don't care. I'm just going to save my neck. In other words, we're going through a season. We're going to go through sharp changes. Things already started, but guess what? It's just on its way. Prophetically, this is just starting. What you heard about uh, what's happening in the Middle East, that's just the beginning, people. Don't get freaked out. These things have to happen. But there's some things that God's going to do in the midst of that. And there's some things God's going to do in the midst of us, in our hearts. What was the blessing of the three Hebrew boys to go through the fire? Well, the fact that after they came out unsinged, unburned, the king was going to bow before God. Sometimes we have to go through an oven experience. Sometimes we've got to sleep with the lions. Because when we come out, we have a testimony. When we come out, we're able to share with others. So it's not enough to just go through stuff. You have to share with people. By the way, get ready because some stuff is going to happen. But be at peace. God is with us. Be at peace because God's going to do something. Be at peace. Be at peace. Come to church with me. Some of you got to invite people to church. Some of you know somebody's going freaking out right now. Grab them by the hands. Says, Calmate. Calm, calm, calm. Let me pray for you. You're so vital. You need to speak. What did this, this man do in order to activate the blessing? He spoke the blessing. He spoke God's word. Speak to your neighbors. Speak to your friends. Speak to your family members. This is the time. Don't wait till all hell breaks loose and people say, oh my God, we're all going to die. Be at peace. Processes are going to happen, but God is in control. And God is about ready to do great things. And in this church, get ready because we've already started a ride and more people are on their way. More people are on their way, and they're going to come with mess, with trouble, with despair, and they're going to come, and you're going to look and say, no, it's not the way you dress in church. Stop that nonsense. I don't care how they come in. Let them come in. Because when they hear the word, the word will change them. The word will bless them. The word will give them life. The word will shift them into its purposes. Let them come in. Let them come in. Let them rejoice. Let them sit there with you. Praise God. We need an extra dose of sweet today because there's too much sour out there. Yeah, I'm serious. Wow, the lungs, the lungs. Praise God. I love children. What are you doing? Are we still on standby Christianity? Get out of that. Now it's time for activated Christianity. 
How many people did you bring to Jesus this year? That's just for you to meditate. How many people did you preach to this year? How many people did you grab by the hands and let me pray with you? We hear it at work. We hear it all over the place. People with problems. So instead of saying, wow, I'm so sorry. The most we do is we say, I'm almost, I told you I'm closing. I'm closing. (laughs) You're so beautiful. God bless you. Thank you. Can I get five more minutes? No, no, two, two, two minutes, two minutes, all right? Thank you, thank you. The most precious thing is when you could go to a person and, and you heard the story, instead of saying, I share my condolences, right? People in pain, I share my condolences. That's the most we go to. That's not the work of the kingdom. Come here, let's pray together. How can I serve you during this time of pain? Person's going through challenges. How can I bless you? Buy him some food. Take him out to dinner. Invite him to church. What's that? People want, yeah, listen. Yeah, exactly. We, we, you know, sometimes we set ourselves up, right? How you doing? Everything all right? I know, mija. No, it's not right. You go. <laughs> so, yeah, if you ask a person, how you doing? You better expect a response, right? <laughs> Praise God. I hear a sound. I hear a sound. People get ready. In my spirit, what I'm seeing is literally the roller coaster about ready to go down. And we're going to start a ride, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. But depending on what lens you have, it might want to make you freak out, or you might say, yay. Oh. That's how God wants us. 